The days are getting shorter, and the nights getting longer. The cold is setting in, and we are all getting ready. Winter is coming. Winter is a time of warm food, hot drinks, and hibernation. However, winter can also be a time of isolation, depression, and in some cases, starvation. Winters are especially hard in Canada. A primordial instinct kicks in. This has always been true, more so in the past. Canadian First Nations tribes like the Cree and Algonquin people did much of the same as we do now to get through the winter. Celebrate with family, keeping warm by the fire, and telling stories to get through the bone-chilling nights. All in an effort to stay safe. Some, however, weren't always so lucky. While surviving in the wilderness, you must keep your wits about you and be precise with the decisions you make while you're out on the hunt. Because on those cold winter nights, if you made a wrong move, it could mean life or death, especially if you're the one being hunted. I'm Charlie Conlon, and this is the nightmare I had last night. It was very cold. The snow was deep and the wind cut right through me. All the trees in the forest were bare, skeletal husks of their former summer glory. Throughout the forest was rolling hills. I was standing on a hilltop. It was very steep. I descended down, sinking waist deep into the snow, breaking hidden branches underneath. I'd been lost in these woods for I don't know how long. I'm freezing trying to keep it together while ascending another ridge, so steep I had to use my exposed hands to pull myself up using trees as leverage. This forest is treacherous. I am exhausted, cold, and hungry. I gazed out onto the horizon. The forest had no end in sight. Wait. Smoke, yes, right there. I could see a small village on the horizon to the east. Billows of smoke rising up over the tree line. A surge of energy washed over my body and I continued onward through the cold winter forest. Rushing through the brush towards the village was hard. The snow was wet and dense and my legs were soaked. This village will be my salvation. Before I knew it, I had exited the forest and was standing on the cusp of the village. The village was small, with six wooden cabins on each side of the road. They were raised about four feet off the ground. From the looks of it, the small settlement was desolate. In fact, it looked like there had been some sort of struggle here. <sighs> My stomach aches. I'm starving. Hello? I roamed through the village, looking at all the houses for any sign of life. This place was in bad condition. Boxes were ransacked, tools and sticks all over, an axe lay on the ground. All of the snow was trampled, and there was blood across the middle of the road, now a frozen slush. I began to worry. Maybe it would be best if I left this place, or suffer the same fate as the village. I turned around quickly. There, two cottages down. I hurried over and stood at the base of the wooden staircase, looking up straight at the door. Slowly, one step at a time, I walked up the stairs toward the door. My fist hammered against the door. Then I tried the latch, but it was locked. Hello? Is anyone there? <laughs> Alarmed, I turned around and almost slipped on the icy snow that covered the porch. 
Down, next to the cabin, was a mangy dog. It looked weak and just as hungry as me. Then it ran off. I hurried down the steps and followed the mutt to the end of the village, where there was a fire. Of course, the smoke. On the fire was a large cooking pot. There was a smell that made my mouth water. It was a stew. My stomach hurt now more than ever. I gripped my gut in pain. Strong pain. I grabbed the dirty ladle off the ground and scooped a spoonful and guzzled it down, burning my throat, but I didn't care. Again, I shoveled more soup into my mouth, hypnotized by pure animal instinct. I fell to my knees. Hot steam billowed from my face. Snot dripped to the ground, the mangy dog vigorously licking what was left off the metal ladle. I felt good. Warm. Full. Both me and the dog looked up to the north forest. I stood and picked up the ladle, scooped more of the stew and fed it to the dog, who quickly lapped it up, then ate the drops that fell to the ground. Who left this fire going, and this food cooking? The wind picked up and blew across the terrain. I shielded my face from the frozen gust. I stared at the northern forest, inspecting the tree line. Dog looked as well. I looked behind me. The village was a mess. I adjusted my coat and stepped forward, back into the woods. The dog followed, close behind. The forest was level and clean. There was no branches, sticks, or bushes anywhere. In fact, there were no animals either. It was quiet. It was quite peaceful, actually. The snow lightly falling, absolutely quiet. I continued onward. The snow became thicker, and the light dusting soon turned into a heavy blizzard. My footsteps in the snow began to fill, hiding my way back to the village. I approached a tree and tore off some bark, walking a few more yards and tore bark off another tree. I continued walking, tearing bark off trees as I went, ensuring I would find my way back, back to shelter and food. The blizzard was getting worse, and I couldn't see very far ahead of me. But I continued on. Someone is out here. Someone that may need my help, or could tell me what happened to the village. The blizzard was tough. I gripped a tree and ripped bark off. I was through the forest, standing on the edge of a lake. The blizzard lifted a bit, and ahead of me I could see... something. I took a few steps forward to the water. It was an enormous deer, drinking water. The dog ran away. The deer stopped and raised its head and looked at me. The deer was massive, with enormous antlers. It must have been ten feet tall. It looked sick and malnourished, discolored and skeletal. The deer's muzzle was covered in blood, some fresh and some dry and scabbed. Its eyes were pure white and red around the edges. This gigantic deer was sick, very sick. It stepped forward. I stepped backwards, still facing the deer. I turned around and started to walk away, no sudden movements. I calmly walked through the blizzard, looking for the trees with bark missing off the sides. 
I looked behind me and the deer was still following me, slowly. I hurried my pace, but so did the deer. I could see its white, lifeless eyes through the snow. It towered up into the trees. I felt small compared to this monster. I started running fast through the trees, trying to get out of this thing's sight. I could hear it running after me in huge steps, dodging in and out of trees through the thick blizzard. I think I lost it, but now I was lost. Where are the marks on the trees? The deer was in the distance, running, searching for me. At last, one of the trees. I followed it to the next tree, then the next, and I could see the village ahead of me. I ran up the stairs to the cabin closest to me, locked. I dashed through the snow to the next cabin. The giant, menacing deer was somewhere in the blizzard coming close. The door to the cabin burst open. I hopped inside and shut the door and leaned against it. I couldn't believe the horror I have just walked into. Inside the cabin, five people sprawled all around the room, mutilated and bloody. Limbs missing, guts splattered all around the room, an entire family half-eaten. I tried my best to remain quiet despite the gruesome scene I've just discovered. In the hand of the older man slouched against the wall was a diary, soaked in blood. It was open to an entry. I grabbed the book and tried to read what was on the soggy pages. It read, I have sealed my own fate, brought destruction to this village I was supposed to protect from sickness and evil, and to my own family. Angry that a boy wanted to take my daughter away from us, away from me, my little girl. Hungry for revenge, I used my training as a shaman to conjure a demon, one that would seek out this boy and destroy him, a terrible beast of great size and strength, a wendigo, a cunning beast, too cunning. Once it killed the boy, it quickly turned to this village, devouring everyone. It's only a matter of time before my family is next. I have sealed my own fate, our fate. A wendigo. That must be that terrible creature in the woods. It's near. I sat up and stepped over the bodies to peek out the window. The creature was now standing on its hind legs, towering over the cabins, walking with huge strides. Long arms dragging along the ground, its muzzle was raw, dripping with blood and saliva, filled with sharp teeth. Feathers ran down its back like an organic cape. The Wendigo stepped up to a house and broke the door open, and grabbed a human body from inside with its two massive hands. What followed next was horrific. The Wendigo took the body, ripped off one of its arms, and bit it in half, then threw it into the stew. The same stew I had eaten from earlier. My gut began to hurt at this sight. I watched the Wendigo slowly stir his meal. I was lightheaded, then fell to the floor on one of the bodies. Dizzy, I tried to stand, but slipped in the blood on the ground. Finally, I stood up and looked out the window. The Wendigo was still tending to his pot. I was angry. Angry that I was trapped in this hell house. Angry that I ate that slop when I was most vulnerable. Fury raged through me. I knew what I had to do. I hopped through the window, outside, into the storm. The Wendigo was eating over a fire. I swiftly ran across the road and grabbed the axe. I slowly approached the cabin closest to the fire, closest to the Wendigo. 
I climbed up onto the porch of the cabin closest to the monster. Slowly, I crept forwards, towards the edge. The beast was holding a body. I waited for my chance. The Wendigo looked over his paw. Now, I jumped off the porch and pushed its disgusting head into the boiling cauldron and held it firm. The Wendigo struggled, trying to break free. Boiling water splashed all over, even burning my own hands. The Wendigo reached around with its huge arms and threw me off into the snow. Without hesitation, the beast ran fast, straight at me. Half its face melted, steam shooting out from all sides. The monster grabbed me and picked me up. I took out the axe and hacked away at the Wendigo's neck, over and over again chopping through muscle and bone, all while holding its face back as it tried to rip me apart. Blood, spit, and flesh spilled onto my face, still hot. Its grip loosened and I fell to the ground. The Wendigo's head was barely holding on. The giant was thrashing back and forth. Then finally, the head flew off into the snow. The body didn't stop. It stumbled around, its huge hands feeling where the head was severed, walking around like a headless chicken. Suddenly, thousands of feathers grew out of the neck, continuously pouring out from inside the body bright red feathers. Finally, the body fell to the ground, dead. All the snow around the body began to melt from the heat of the beast. I sat on the ground, exhausted, beaten and bloody. Surprisingly, the dog had come back. I stood up and we walked over to the pot. Some stew still cooking. I could see the Wendigo's head in the distance, staring at me from across the field, through the blizzard, eyes still open, looking straight into my soul. I picked up the ladle and scooped some of the chum from the bottom, and both me and the dog sat and ate, and ate, and ate, and ate. Then I woke up. It is sometimes easy to become agitated, especially in the late winter months when cabin fever sets in. It's a problem when you let that anger fester and grow inside, turning you into something you didn't mean to become, then becoming lost to this alternate, dark version of yourself. Selfishness can easily warp a person into a monster. Want and greed all for the benefit of your own life? To break down my nightmare... I'll start from the beginning. Generally, I like winter. I find I write better, the food is great, and my sleep patterns improve. It's just so hard to get out of bed when you're all bundled up. Getting into the later stages of winter is where problems occur. When it seems that the sun hasn't come out in over a month, like it's perpetually night, it can get to you. In my dream, I was in a barren forest, trudging through the snow, lost. So what does it mean? A forest suggests an exploration of the subconscious. It can also symbolize a need or desire to retreat from everyday life, to restore and revitalize your energies. Winter in a dream can symbolize hibernation and is a time of reflection and spiritual introspection. I like to walk in the woods to clear my head, and, like I said before, I enjoy winter. However, in the context of this nightmare, I don't think that the definition is true. Because I was lost, afraid, and hungry. Winter in a dream or nightmare can also be a symbol of death. 
death of the regenerative seasons like spring and summer. It could also be a metaphoric death, maybe of a relationship or a bad habit you've left behind. When I entered the village in the nightmare, it was empty and destroyed. To dream that you were in a village means there are restrictions in your life, and you need to follow the rules. Alternatively, a village signifies community and simplicity and tradition. In this case, the village was devastated. This could mean there isn't enough tradition in my life, or I am done with old traditions and am looking for new ones. The death throughout the village could indicate this as well, death of traditions. The gruesome deaths throughout the community was caused by something giant, evil, and malevolent. A Wendigo. A Wendigo is a Canadian cryptid. It is believed the Wendigo is a man-eating monster. Stories of the Wendigo derive from Canadian First Nations, Cree, Algonquin, and Ojibwa people. However, it isn't limited to these tribes. Other First Nations people throughout Canada and America have different versions and names for the Wendigo, such as Wendigo, Weetiko, and Waitikau. The Wendigo takes on many forms, depending on who is telling the story. Some say a Wendigo is a demon spirit that possesses a person and turns them into an evil being that kills and eats everyone in their village. Another version of the Wendigo is a more physical version, like a beast of great horrid size, much like a werewolf. Or in the Plain Crees version, the Wendigo looks more like a clown, which is very interesting. Throughout history, the Wendigo has shown up in many different stories. Early stories of the Wendigo portray the beast as a water spirit, almost like a siren or a mermaid, leading people away from the group and drowning them in a lake to feed on their body and soul. Like the demon Beelzebub, the prince of darkness, who serves at the side of Satan, just by speaking his name he can search you out and bring torment, sickness, and suffering. The Wendigo is the same. Just by speaking the words, Wendigo, it could seek you out and consume you. This is why most First Nations people waited until winter to tell stories about the Wendigo demon, because during the summer, a Wendigo was more likely to capture and eat you. In the book, Dangerous Spirits, the Wendigo in Myth and History by Sean Smallman, Smallman says that during this time, most First Nations people would wait until winter to tell stories about the Wendigo. Because the lake was frozen over, it was believed that the Wendigo was trapped under the frozen ice and could not leave its aquatic dwelling. There is a particularly scary story that entails this water version of a Wendigo. A man walked out into the frozen lake and fell through the ice. Despite people trying to save him, he still drowned. Later, when witnesses were describing the account, one man said, Funny thing. I have never seen a man drown like that. We found the hole in the ice and shined light around the hole to see. And we could see his head, under the ice, very close to the hole. Like he just stood there. It is this account that shows that Wendigos are very close to a siren, hypnotizing people into the water. 
If we are looking at a more physical version of the Wendigo, they were seen as a giant beast with feathers, hair, and horns. Sometimes they were seen half-human or some sort of hellish demon. It was said that elders would become very sick if a Wendigo was near. Their deep connection in nature and the wisdom they gained in old age could sense the Wendigo. Wendigos were also used by shaman as a tool of attack. A shaman could conjure up a Wendigo and release it on an enemy tribe or another shaman. People soon started to worry about being attacked by a Wendigo year-round, not just in the summertime. Winter brought a whole new perspective, starvation, and sometimes cannibalism. Hudson's Bay Company, or HBC for short, started as a fur trading business, and now still owns and operates retail stores across Canada, the United States, and parts of Europe. All of the First Nations groups were part of hunting game, like moose, beavers, foxes, and deer, among many other animals, selling them for supplies and profit to HBC. This scourge of hunting across Canada left the food for winter scarce, and when winter came, families suffered. There were many reasons someone was considered a Wendigo. In most cases, the person became angry and destructive to their families, or suddenly became hostile towards everyone in their village, harming and murdering others. When someone was found to be a Wendigo, a shaman would conduct a shaking tent rite, where the possessed would enter a hut to hopefully be cured of the Wendigo spirit. The shaking tent was used for many different cures, but curing something of a Wendigo was particularly violent. The person possessed by the Wendigo would be tied down. They would scream like an inhuman beast, and their bones sounded like ice. It was also believed that their heart was made of ice as well. If the Wendigo would not leave the person, then the shaman would have to dispose of the Wendigo by killing the host. This happened often in those times. In late 19th century, a man named Jack Fiddler, also known as He Who Stands in the Southern Sky, part of the Cree, was known for having killed dozens of Wendigo in his time. He was a leader and a healer. It wasn't until the influence of Western civilization came in and put a stop to the ways of curing the Wendigo. In 1907, Jack Fiddler and his brother, Joseph Fiddler, were charged with the murder of a woman accused of being a Wendigo. At this time, Jack and his people didn't know what a trial was, or what murder was. While in custody, Jack was able to escape, where he later hung himself in the woods. Joseph Fiddler was tried under the Canadian law, where he was sentenced to death. Later, the sentence was reduced to life in prison under the circumstances of Joe not understanding Canadian law at the time of the murder. An appeal for his release was made by HBC fur traders and led to his release. However, because it took so long to travel by horseback, Joseph Fiddler died in 1909, three days before finding out the information of his release. This is a sad story of the outcome of what Canadian influence did to a once healthy and fruitful people. Invading a land with their own beliefs, stealing away all of their food and furs, enforcing the Canadian law to people who didn't understand it. It could be said that this is a different kind of Wendigo. Monsters coming from a foreign land and stealing everything.
Dreams were important to the Algonquin and Cree people. They were seen as real experiences. In this case, if a person had a dream in which a Wendigo offered them food, and they failed to discern the identity of the Wendigo, they may be tricked into eating another human. After this, the person would be doomed to having these cravings in their waking life. In a spiritual way, a Wendigo can mean many things in your personal life. Revenge, anger, selfishness, or fear. It is good to recognize your own Wendigo and make sure it never takes control. However, if you believe the Wendigo is a real being roaming around in the woods at night, waiting to pounce on its next meal, then it might be a good idea to stay inside with your own family. Unless, of course, one of them is a Wendigo. This episode was written by me, Charlie Conlon, with music by Joe Conlon. Sound effects and voice editing was done by Daniel Jaworski. I hope you enjoyed this disturbing tale of the ancient Canadian cryptid, the Wendigo. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at KMN Podcast to get more information and keep updated with all things nightmarish. Remember, if things get too scary... You can always wake up.